0: Welcome to the Wood Podcast. This podcast is run and presented by Cochrane Co. At Cochrane Co., we create structure and profit for all types of flooring professionals in the UK and beyond. So, if you need to increase your marketing, better your financial position, hire more staff, get off the tools, open another shop, whatever it may be, please check our website at cockrellandco.co.uk. That's cockrellandco.co.uk. You will find all of the information you need and please enjoy the show.
1: So good afternoon and welcome to the Wood Floor podcast. I'm here today and I'm welcoming um, to the podcast Matt Elwell, who is one of the best sales closers I have ever met. He is the founder of the Elite Closing Academy. He's an international speaker and he is an author. He's on a mission to turn the sales industry upside down and create over 100 million pounds worth of additional sales for his clients. So um, I think if there's anybody um, in the world that could help our listeners out with um, putting in place strategy for sales, this is the guy. So um, welcome, Mas. I'm so excited to have you.
0: I'm very excited to be here.
1: Good. Okay, so um I think the first thing I wanted to touch on was how um I want to look at your background and um why I think it's relevant for you to be on on this podcast, um especially with the wood floor professionals that we work with. Could you introduce yourself and give us some information about where it all started for you?
0: Yeah, firstly, um I've got a lot in common with all of you wooden floor sales companies, salespeople. Um, and that is, I used to be, uh, I used to have a family business and we used to supply, um, I'm not the enemy really, we used to supply imitation of wood through porcelain tiles from Italy and around the UK. So uh, yeah, my background um, is, is mainly in uh, uh, the hard flooring tiles industry uh, with a family business. So I think we should get on quite well.
1: Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> okay. And so um, you do live training? You're a mentor and performance coach. You've, yeah. um, you're you focused on business owners and, and sales teams as well that want to increase their sales. And you don't, and, and the best thing about it is that you try and sell, um, that it's not a hard sell. It's not pushy and it's not manipulative.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And I think, look, you know, my my philosophy on sales is probably the same as everybody listening to this, I'm sure it is, is that sales really should be like a collaboration, you know, between two companies and I always think, or two people. And I always think um, it's like, there's nothing worse than when somebody does all the research on you on Google and goes on your website and comes to your showroom or, you know, goes onto a landing page and moves towards you in some way. And, and then they don't buy from you because the salesperson is untrained or unprofessional, and often well-meaning, but just like the, the, it's this when the salesperson's the reason why reason why people don't buy, that's when you know you've got a problem. So I'm a big believer that that selling is very much about asking questions and understanding uh, what people need, uh, and once you've gathered all the information, to then present solutions for them to decide you know, which product, which service gets them the best result, as opposed to doing what most salespeople do, which is just like, charge at you, start talking, explaining, yeah. telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Um, and, and of course humans, are we, we've actually got like quite a lot of defensive mechanisms uh, when we're a bit fearful of salespeople. So, so what should be a nice, uh, simple sort of conversation between two people with a bit of order and sequence, bit of structure, um, turns into a bit of a like an us and them and conflicts that shouldn't be there, uh, and and of course everybody listening to this will know when this is happening, because people that have come towards you, yeah, say like oh can you just pop it on an email I'll have a think about it. and then they go away from you so that that's kind of my overall like quick summary in my philosophy on on sales that it should be more of a collaboration than than anything else
1: yeah and I think um, a lot of people will say things like. I'm not a salesperson. What's yeah. your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I think I think that the problem is with saying things like that is that um, we're well, not going to get on very well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Should be um, professional salespeople should be easy to buy from, and I think you know if you go around telling yourself, oh, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be pushy. I'm not going to I'm going to let them get back to me if they're interested. They'll come maybe 20 years ago when i sort of first started in retail when there was like a lot more trust and, and stuff maybe you get away with it but i'm afraid nowadays that's just not going to work and i think like the number one thing i believe that um salespeople should do is to actually um it's almost like an incantation i mean i have an incantation as a professional salesperson which is I am a professional salesperson with soft spiritual energy and sharp skills. And if that sounds a bit woo-woo, that's fine. You know, come up with your own. That that just works for me. I'm like, I don't want conflict in sales. I'm I'm like, I'm looking for collaboration. Uh, My mindset is I want the end user, the customer to win and be successful. I want me and my business or the business that you work for to be successful and, and make, you know, create wealth and deliver solutions. Uh, And then I want the universe to win because when customers are happy and the business is doing well, everybody wins. So, yeah, I just think think, uh, the number one thing that you've got to do is actually take what I call ludicrous, massive personal responsibility to at least be the most professional salesperson you could be in your own style. You know, you shouldn't be sounding like anybody else. You shouldn't have a funny voice, you know. Hey, just trying to sell. Not trying to, not trying to sell you. It's just a quick call. You don't need that. You just need to be completely natural, um, and just follow a professional uh, process. Look, there's so, Sarah, you know this. Yeah. My, my training company, I created it to teach people how to actually follow a repeatable system to have some structure around sales conversations and to actually have a sales process and to encourage people to be really human and natural all the way through the process. And again, never when I started out, there wasn't professional training. My, my training is certified by the IAPC and it's a professional training. You can learn this. So I think if your job and career is to be a professional salesperson or to work within a company that has to sell products and services to other people, then the very least you can do is at least get serious about it. And I I
1: think that's part of the issue that I see day in, day out with them. Quite a lot of my clients is that, you know, they will say things like, I'm not really a businessman. I'm not a salesperson. I just fit floors. Well, I'm afraid to say that actually all of those things do apply to you. And it is your responsibility. Like you said, you have to take ludicrous personal responsibility for your actions. It's a completely free thing to do. You know, you don't have to spend masses of money on AdWords and sales and marketing strategies. Um, You just need to take responsibility for you. And I think that is the most simplest thing to get right. You know, people that have the self-talk dialogue that are going on all the time, you know, um, any air of uncertainty, you know it yourself, if you walk in somewhere and ask a question and the salesperson is uncertain, Hmm. It puts you off straight away, doesn't it? You know? Um so even teaching people how to have more confidence and self-assurance around sales, mm. even if they're not and they're actually quivering in their boots, um, is a really important skill to to teach as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And I think I think um the other word I'd add in, I have everything you just said, I totally agree with. I think the other word I'd add in is when people are unstructured and unorganized. Yes. So look, um, I used to have um I used to have over 50 fitters in my um my in business
1: yeah
0: um some full-time fitters had two pods full-time and quite a few subcontracts who worked around the UK at different times and I used to make sure that all of them had got at least um some discipline around simple questions look at the end of the day if you've been on the tools all day and then a, a sort of savvy buyer tries to you know catch you out then you've got to be ready because um you could be the first step on that person's journey to buying something from your company you so yeah so yeah i just used to make sure that um st- simple questions like how much do you normally charge how much is it like what you know um what's involved what are you you know what are your prices like which is often like the first kind of questions that people get you gotta have some structure around those questions because the worst thing you can do is say well it all depends on what you want i have. was just
1: about to say that isn't that annoying when you get someone that says Oh well, it depends. Well, actually yeah. the best way to reframe that question is, you know, um, well, how much were you thinking it would cost? Or what are your aspirations with this? You know, re- return, rephrase the question back to get more information out of them.
0: I think I think there's a I think there's a, an even an even an even easier way mm-hmm. for, for us to do it actually, to position fees. And for anybody listening, uh, this is something I call the grand old Duke of York. Uh, he had 10,000 men, he marched them up to the top, and then he marched them down again. So if I meet someone for the first time, I used to teach all my as this, um, depending on the vertical that we we're working on, so whether it was a commercial uh, aspect or whether it was yeah. domestic, and whether it was tiles or whether it was plumbing, you know, depending on the vertical that we're in, the kind of skin that we're in, if that makes sense. And then I'd always position the highest fee and the lowest fee, so if Somebody says to me now about my training company, if they go, I, I was in London a couple of weeks ago and I spoke on my business partner stage in um uh, at the uh Wembley Hilton, there's about three and a half, four hundred people in the, in the audience, business owners. They gave a talk about sales, and afterwards, like, I had somebody come over to me and they're like, Oh, man, that was really great, I really enjoyed it, XYZ, which was cool. And they went, I bet you'd be really expensive to work with, go on, Am, is it? Yeah, um, and I went, Look. Fair comment. I said my most successful students and businesses that invest the most with me invest up to 50,000 per annum and you can start your journey for £2.80 and get one of my books. What else do you need to know? So so I'd like position the whole range of of what's possible. And I always start with the highest first and then the lowest last because most people start with the lowest first. And remember... And everybody listening to this will know this because their dad and their dad's dad would have taught them. This is the best negotiation skills that we ever got taught from our dads, which was when somebody gives you the price for the first time, always pretend it's more than you want to spend and say, oh, that sounds expensive. Yeah. So you got, <laughs> you got to make sure that when you give someone the first fee, it's the highest it could possibly be. Uh, because they are going to say it's expensive. So like 50 grand, oh, that's expensive. Of course it is. Just get my book then for £2.80. And then you go all the way down. But if you start with, if somebody says to me, how much is it? I've got £2.80. They'll go, Ooh, I can get a book for free. That sounds expensive. So straight away, does anything up, up above £2.80 in their mind, they'll associate me yeah. as being expensive above £2.80. So that's how I do it. I just position my feet at the very beginning, uh, the highest I've ever done it.
1: Yeah. And then gauge from there the customer's and, reaction. Well, Sarah,
0: and. Sarah, Sarah, I let them decide. That- yes. Yeah. You know, it's not for me to decide what somebody else can afford, uh, how much they've got in their bank. Uh, it's also not for me to believe anything they say about money because they're not going to tell you the truth anyway.
1: Yeah. Even
0: if they could afford it, they don't. They never used to walk into my retail showroom and go, um, "Right, just don't speak. Uh, my budget's twenty-six grand. Just stop. Don't even look at me. Just take my money." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. There's a you know, even if their budget was 26, oh, you know, I've got a budget of 20. They're, they're going to lie about money. People do. I know it feels a bit awkward when I'm saying it out loud. It's just the truth. Um, nobody ever says, um, you know, if somebody says like, oh, I can't afford it. If you take that to be true, but like you'd actually never sell anything to anybody. yeah, um, Because Great. that's what people say when they hear money for the first time. So again, my, my team, my staff, people that work with me, I'm trying to expect that early on, and then to move money to one side. You know, so if somebody says to me, more than I want to spend, of course it's more than you want to spend. Push money to one side. Other than money, give me five reasons why you'd consider making a purchase with me. You know, other than money, what are the top three or four reasons that you'd um, choose another company? Like, what are you looking for other than money? You know, and, and I'm looking to find the value um, in 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 sort of what they're looking for. And move money to one site as quickly as possible, but it is critical to position fees early as well.
1: Yeah, and is that one of the first things that you should be doing? Would you recommend people should be doing on that initial sales call is try and get to the crux of that pretty quickly?
0: Yeah, I think you used the word earlier. I think like you've got to try and gauge or at least position and get a feel for. So, um, look, the number one, the number one thing, it's it's like. Uh, um, Again, this is quite hard when I say it out loud because people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, decisions, like humans buy results, we purchase results. So um, as long as you can get someone a result and solve problems or accelerate like pleasures. So if somebody wants like a... Let's say there's a big retail store and they need it all, like loads of wooden floor installed by next Saturday. Like that person will probably expect to pay a premium to get it done quickly. Yeah. So, um, you know, don't judge everybody the same. That's the first thing. Find out what their circumstances are. But look, the rule, it's almost never about money is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And then like, if, if anybody's listening to this and you've got a pen and paper, write down, a sale is almost never about money. And then in brackets, put, even though the possible buyer will pretend it is at the beginning. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, like, everybody listening will have bought something in their life that was more than they initially thought they were going to buy because it was valuable to them or the experience was good. Um, look, di- um, food's a great example of this. You know, if you think about your best restaurant or your favorite restaurant that you go to with your family regularly, it's not always the best food. Yes, true. Some, but it's always the best service and the best ambiance and the best atmosphere and if the food's an 8 out of 10 uh but the atmosphere is a 10 you'll go back time and time again if you go to like a really posh restaurant or a really nice or exclusive restaurant and the food's a 10 but the service and ambiance is a 6 um you don't go back do you so it's it's uh, or you don't rush back i suppose is the way to think about it um so yeah look i think the rule around money is I always think you want to be positioning your fees um, visually, um, verbally, you know, the way you speak, the way you look, the way you dress, the way you act will create what's called a perception from a possible buyer towards you. So if you're like, yeah, I'm not really a salesperson, all right, mate, how you doing? Get back to me when you're ready. I, I won't take your details. I don't want to push you, you know, it's over to you. But if you create that sort of unprofessionalism um, they will treat you as an unprofessional. That's the emotional connection they'll have, that you're quite unprofessional and you don't really care mm-hmm. and your language isn't that good and you're not a pro and you're not trained. Um, yeah, so, so I think, you know, creating a perception that your product or service is quality, that you do care, that you have got good skills, that your tools are clean, uh, that your language is clean, that you've got a system, that you, uh, when you open your van, a load of McDonald's wrappers don't go for <laughs> yes. a, a car. Like, that's just these little things will, will will step up the perception that a possible buyer will have around you. And as I say, with money is the most important thing is uh, this is the rule. Um, no one should ever be shocked when you give your fees or position your fees for the first time, even though they'll pretend to be.
1: Yeah, not a real shock. I mean, at the end of the day, even though um, we're all in the same industry, one of the biggest things is that the, the one thing that we all have in common is that we are all in service to other people. Hmm. And being in service to other people, I had this last night actually, and one of the biggest issues that I have with this industry as a whole and the construction industry as a whole is this persona that um we are unreliable we don't do what we said we were going to do um we um have no credibility we're not reliable all of those things mm. and actually the one thing that keeps cropping up time and time and time again for me even as an individual is that people don't do what they said they were going to do um, I had um, someone come in to see me last night to give me a quote for some work I wanted to do in my in my house. We set a time. I rushed home. I sorted the kids out um, and I sat there for 20 minutes waiting for this person to come. And I thought, mm, are they coming or not? I rang them. They said, sorry, had a busy day, completely, um, completely forgot, flaked out on the um, flaked out on the sofa. Um, is it OK? We catch up another time. Well, actually, no, it's not it's not okay and even if you provided me with the best possible outcome for what I was looking at your service has just said something completely different to me and so it's not just about selling is it it is about everything else that you do um, and the way that you hold yourself in in the presence of others whether it is on the telephone or in a face-to-face environment
0: yeah and I think worse than that as well is that 80 percent of every sale is emotional so That, that the emotions that you're feeling that we can hear you describing of having to rush back and, and do your, your duties and mum things and all that kind of stuff, and that human being didn't have the courtesy because they don't have a system to sell yes. to, to, to call in advance. Now, if they'd have called in advance, uh, it might have saved you rushing around, and I'm sure the perfectly reasonable human being you've said, look, no problem. But the fact that they didn't call, um, and this is just a lack of having a, a, a system or a process in place, and not actually taking sales seriously and realising that when you have little touch points, even if things go badly, uh, people will forgive you. The problem is if you don't have touch points, then people just like going, do you know what? It's just a standard person in the construction industry. I'll go somewhere else. And that's terrible. One other thing I want to say on this, um, and my company, the Elite Closing Academy, um, we've spent a, a huge amount of time on this. We've got 24 staff now. Uh, as part of, um, of, of part of the business. And one of our seven core values is to do what we say we would. Yeah. And, um, and, and we look to live values. And I think, you know, if you're a, a business owner or if you're, uh, you know, a solo entrepreneur and you're listening to this, again, it's probably a really good opportunity to go, like if you haven't done some deep work around this, like what are the three or four or five things that I pride myself on to deliver a good service, You know, ours are like, we love people, you know, we're dynamic and daring, we're open and real, we get results, we do what we say we would, we've got self-awareness and humility and we bring energy and fun. You know, those are our seven Mm
1: -hmm. core values
0: and, and we live them, we live them. And what that means actually is like, it's all cool having a value in business when things are going well, but actually what I think the values are there for, and this goes for a sales process or for business in general, or even as a human. I think values are there for when things are not going so well. You know, what are you like when, like that that person last night, what were they like when they uh, were meant to be somewhere that they couldn't get to on time? Well, they were crap. <laughs> the answer <Yeah>. was crap. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and now they're going to suffer for it because um, they're never going to get your business or even the opportunity to quote you, you know. So if you if you times that by, let's say that business is in business for another 30 years, um, and if that's the modus operandi, I stand to just let people down and, you know, how much business they're going to lose. And worse, um, you know, not just how much business you're going to lose, but how many people need the service that are yeah. not going to benefit from the service. Yeah. And, and also, you yeah, there is a money element as well. You know, if you're that sloppy over 25, 30 years, you're going to lose millions of pounds that you exactly. could have, your, have in your business and do good things with and, you know, Hit goals, hit dreams, help the local community—whatever it is you're motivated by.
1: So, whilst we're on this, then, in your opinion, what are the, you know, the top two biggest mistakes that um, typical salesmen make when dealing with customers face to face?
0: Well, I think number one, uh, talk—just they just talk too much. Um, always talking, they're always explaining, they always assume or presume to know what you think, even though they don't ask. So I think, I think generally just the the, sale, the the unprofessional salespeople that just talks. And there's a good way of remembering this, um, I think. I, I've taught this and, and been like this for as long as I can remember. I always think great salespeople are like GPs, doctors. Like, they gather information before making decisions. And by the way, one of those decisions could be, from the information that I've gathered so far, like, I, I, honestly, it
1: might <laughs> yeah.
0: work for you. And then you recommend somebody else. Um, you know, when when I used to have my retail showroom, I had very much like a, you know, like a, what you call a construction range, then a domestic range, and then a, a sort of exclusive range. And again, you know, if I, was, if I was in the exclusive section with somebody who was looking for a, you know, a budget commercial tile, then I had to be prepared to either drop them down or lose them because, you know, if you serve someone and you go and visit site and you quote them and then you do another estimate and then another quote and then you're back in and forth in and then they want to breakdown of it all and then you show them the price and then they turn into a puddle and then it's a, like you should have just said no by gathering which bracket they're in at the beginning or at yeah. least getting a feel for it so and that's the first big mistake that salespeople do or do make a lot particularly the ones that aren't trained they're talking and explaining Uh, And they do the opposite of what a doctor does. They don't gather first. They're making decisions uh, on your behalf without ever finding out. And I I think the second big mistake is that they enter the conversations with lots of uh, preconceived ideas, presumptions, um, like really negative beliefs. uh, They won't be able to afford it, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And before they've even started, they've created, like, a whole wall of of problems, and and none of which are proven. Um, So they sort of plug all of those fears and concerns that they've created in their brain, they plug that in as a reality. And then conversations that should be effortless and professional, just asking some powerful questions and answering and asking and stuff like that, they don't go well, you know, uh, because the salesperson is... uh, uh, attracting and creating like quite a fearful, they've you know, got a lot of hindering thoughts and you know, they use words like cheap and budget range and you know, discounts and and they're all words that um they're creating themselves to to, you know, because they're in fear. I think they're the biggest two that I see like globally really.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things that came up recently was that um, obviously um, in the last kind of 12, 18 months, our pricing has gone up and it's gone up and up and up. And I mean, I'm still dealing with people here that have not put their labor rates up and their labor pricing up in years. Mm. And that scares the life out of me. And they don't do that because other people aren't. I mean, Mm. the herd mentality around that is quite scary because, you know, have never actually had a look at what it costs them to get up in the morning pack their vans, go out to work they're doing 50 60 70 hours a week um and then then they're not actually even pricing themselves accordingly in the first place um which is a big
0: problem it it is a big problem and again you know good way of doing this is if you're listening to this and that's you that applies to you um then what i'd do is i'd make a list of all of your fixed costs that go out of your bank account, just get your bank statements out um, and then get your bank statements from five years ago and see whether they've gone up or down.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, it's gone up, everything goes up and, and your fees um, should be going up with it. And, and again, the other thing that, that I encourage for people to look to increases is, is, is how you package your offers. Yes. So you want to get away from like, you know, just like one off, Uh, one-off moments, one-off services. I want to start to look at what can you add in to the service um, that makes you you even more valuable than others. I'll give you an example of this. Um, When I had my family business in retail, if we did a supply and installation, we added into the service, uh, say it was a a bathroom in somebody's home, uh, we added into the service, uh, being open and real, it was not a lot of money, but um, a cleaner on the last day. We, we threw that in.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: what did it cost me? I don't know, 30, 40 Very quid? <laughs>
1: <Yeah.
0: on> 10, <laughs> Nothing. Run project. It's like, okay, um, why don't I uh, make sure that at, at sort of 2pm on the last day of the job, everything's done um, and, and a team of uh, um, cleaners come in, blitz it, clean it, leave it as we found it. You know, just that little thing, that additional service, um, it, it, it sort of... It's very valuable to others. And also when, you're, when your service is more comprehensive than the other people who are just like, it's 550 quid a day and this is what you get. And I get there at 10 and I have my lunch at one and then I leave at four and <laughs> you know I might smell a beer on a Monday and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just like, what are the other little things that you do that you can add into your offer? Not that justifies an increase in fees, um, that solidifies the fee. Yeah. So um, you know, when I my, my family business, we were small enough to care, big enough to deliver. And if we were a car, we'd have been a smart Audi. So we weren't going to be a Bentley or a Rolls Royce, and we weren't a mini metro either. We we dwelt and owned that space there, you see. Yeah. And and our fees and our services um reflected that, you see. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, that, that makes it a lot easier. You don't have it, to just
1: exactly. And it and it's also about continuing that service all the way through that sales process as well, isn't it? So you, just because you've closed on a sale doesn't mean to say that that's when your selling stops. Okay, and what I mean by that is that that service level continues right through. Even yeah. when you get to the snagging stages, you're still kind of delivering on that sale. Um, the sale doesn't even finish i don't think personally until you get to that referral bit and you've got your feedback back from your customer and you've got the next person's number that you need to call and and to to move on to your next customer
0: totally and i think um again you know what i used to do is snagging is is add it in to the service so um when people were decided um we'd have a snagging discussion at the very very beginning before we'd even done the work yeah. so one of the things is, we fully anticipate and expect um, before we leave that there'll be little bits and pieces that we either need to tidy up or you want us to change. And as long as that's within the boundaries of what we've agreed, that's fine. If it's not, here's how that works. Um, and then what we do is we'd go like two or three days before the end of the job, uh, there'd be a reminder to say, hey, this is where we start to get a feel for uh, little things that you want us to change, anything you're not happy about. I want to know it now what all my team are here so that in the next two or three days, we can get everything ticked off because at two o'clock on Friday, the cleaners are coming.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: so I think, again, it's about adding it into the process and, and dealing with it early. Sarah, you, you know this because I think you've you've seen and heard some of our training. Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer that the sales process is where the hard work goes in and that exchanging contracts closing should be easy, as should delivering the products and services should be easy, because that's how you retain and grow.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: exactly as you've said. You know, um, I, I'm looking for, um, I'm looking for referrals and also to sell something else while I'm in somebody's house. I'm like, which other rooms are you going to be doing, and when can I get? Should the I office? measure
1: up next? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Who else do you know that needs our services? It's such a powerful question. Which other rooms are you planning on doing, and when? They're really powerful questions too. I,
1: I find it really interesting, like you um, with. With my background as well, just having that discussion about snagging, I had um, a client um, recently that um, was very, very shy around having those discussions about snagging and and what were the expectations. were on completion of work, and you know, something had happened to skirting boards, and you know, forgot to mention about you know you might have to touch them in and and things, or you might might have forgotten to tell them that you might rip the wallpaper and things. You know, the expectation is then because the client wasn't aware of it. They're then disappointed at the end. They then don't tell you till you've disappeared. And you, uh, you, and then they only tell you when you've chased them for the payment two, three, four days later. Then there becomes a bit of a sticking point. Then it becomes a little bit sour. Then you don't have the time to go back and resolve it. And then it starts affecting your cash flow.
0: Yeah. yeah and so and it goes on. N- number one rule is never leave site before you get paid. Uh, <laughs> and, and and again i used to if people are going yeah but i get invoices like change change your terms and be prepared to lose some people um i did and and i used to have a third a third and a third a third on on installation agreement uh a third the day the team uh turned up and a third the day the cleaners turned up yeah um you know i wasn't, I wasn't leaving until everything was snagged and you know i always I always think about you know it's just like you just got to get yourself organized and and do it have some terms and conditions. If it's different to everybody else, that's why it'll work. People will love you for it. So, and I think
1: I, um, I came on a course actually with of yours, Matt, and you told the story about the post-it note for snagging. So yeah, for people it. that I genuinely find that an awkward moment of walking a customer around a house, you yeah. said that in your business, you had a post-it note and you said the day, you know, a couple of days before, right, here is my pile of post-it notes. Do me mm-hmm. a favor, because I know this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Walk around know. the job. Stick yeah. a post-it note on where, anything that you are not that happy with. When my guys come in in the next couple of days, we'll sort that for you and then we'll be out of your hair. Um, leave it's it such a great Friday.
0: idea. Don't leave it until fr- Friday at two o'clock and then start giving it the whole, oh, well, we're not going to pay you because this and that and the other. It's like, well, hang on a minute. Like, I'm doing another job on Monday and they're a nice family like you are. So it won't be fair if I have to ring them now and say, hey, we're not coming Monday because Mr and Mrs Smith have got a snag in this. Like, well, you, if this happens, you've got to bring the snagging in a lot earlier to the sales process. Um, and again, look, uh, I think I've probably said the same thing at the training. Like, you could lay a 1,000 tiles, right? Or you could lay a 1,000 floorboards, and there's one, 999 are like, boom, we're happy, and there's one that's out. And then they hold all the money back against you. Well, like, oh, hang on a minute. It doesn't really work like that, does it? i tell you what, why don't you pay me 99% and hold the 1% back then? You know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, hang on a minute. So you're happy with 999 tiles, but the one you're not happy, you're not going to pay me on one top. Do us a favor. So again, it's like, you've got to look at yourself first uh, and then bring the, look, I always think before somebody exchange a contract or before somebody pays you, they shouldn't have any more queries or questions left. So again, build into your sales process. How do you get rid of questions so that they're effortlessly making decisions to choose you to install their wood, for example? Mm-hmm. Uh, have a process that does that. And then same, once you're on site, have a process that literally gets rid Like from the moment you turn up, you want to make sure that you're eliminating all the little things that might get in the way at the end. And you know, if you haven't done this yet, then a simple exercise to do yeah. is to just spend a little bit of time um, you know, in the next 24, 48 hours after listening to this podcast, and go, right, on the last 10 jobs, what were the snags? And look for trends. Yeah. Look for trends and then build those trends into your process earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and then you'll start finding the, uh, have, have a tick sheet. Like, you could, I, I used to say to my team, right, the very beginning, these are the things that we're going to do every single day and these are the things at the end of the job like we'd expect to have been ticked off yeah. running through the customer you know dust sheets down done you know um, washing up done we used to wash our eyes you said never leave your mug mm-hmm. on the side like, go and wash it up and put it back yeah. uh, shoes off at the front door tick if that's what you agreed um, you know whatever Like tick it off um, don't toss any like you know um, waste or it to somebody's rose bed it's like Yeah, bagbots like disposed in the van, Um, whatever, like tick it off. And if you don't want to show it to the customer, have a little tick list yourself, you know, tools, clean, whatever. And professional salespeople do this, you know. um, My students have, I've created like templates before calls, during calls, after calls. I've written about it, follow the system, tick it off. While you're having the conversation, you can tick it off. Now, I don't want anybody to be like a Dalek or anything like that. In fact, it doesn't work if you're a Dalek. I want people to be natural and human and follow some structure and then allow for the human-to-human interaction. So it's interesting, actually, in this discussion, Sarah, how... In installing and sales there's actually quite a lot of you know crossover
1: there is there's a huge amount and i think um even even with what you say now in my installation business we have pre and post installation checklists yeah. that now have just become so ingrained within everybody that works within the industry in, in the business that they actually don't require them to physically fill them out anymore because it just becomes natural. Um, but it is one of the first things that happens once we take on new members of staff or we tra- training teams, we go back to that again. Likewise, there's, um, there's a checklist in the, on the back doors of the van that'll say, this is where things get stacked. This is what you need to do. Have you put your swing board out? Have you, um, you know, have you remembered the cleaner, all of those things.
0: And that's just good, great practice. And I think, you know, what what I do with with professional salespeople, even if they don't see themselves as professional salespeople, is to go, look, have lots of little things inside a process that create some confidence in you that are repeatable. Um, You know, when here's a classic, you know, when, like, um, you've got the job and somebody goes, um, oh, while you're here, could you just do that for me?
1: So annoying, yeah.
0: Like, again... You have to have discipline around that. You have to have structure. And it's the same as in a sales conversation. People, possible buyers toss stuff in. And it's often to the untrained salesperson. They get lost and it all gets weird and funky and then you lose your way. And, and you've got to have some structure. You've got to have some discipline. It's, it's, yeah.
1: all, it's all transferable.
0: You know, same thing.
1: I agree. So what I want to do now is just um, have a bit of a chat about um. Give me some background, the Elite Closing Academy. So tell all our listeners about the Elite Closing Academy, what it is that you do, what it is that you can do for anybody that's listening here. This is your chance to plug.
0: Very simply, I've got, it's a training company. It's a professional sales training company um, based in the heart of England. So it's very easy to get to. And what's been fascinating to watch actually over the last three or four years since I set it up in 2018 is just how many trade business owners, trades men and women um plasterers plumbers electricians um i've got a, um, a supply and installation bathroom company i've got a 12-month program where I teach it all the time i've got somebody a bathroom installer in my program who's doing you know doing really really well so it's been interesting actually i think as we move out of covid season um you know actually being able to professionally sell in the trades, Trades have never been so busy. There's never been so many people doing things on their homes. Um, Commercial businesses are like, we had a bad time, but like people are chucking money at refurbs and getting back going again. So yeah, it's been really interesting to see just how many, uh, you know, big uh, trade companies and construction industry companies actually send their staff and their people to my training centre in Solihull. And you know, what we teach is a formula, a framework um, that enables pretty much now I've had, well, I've sold my book in 18 countries around the world. I get messages from all kinds of different people and businesses from everywhere saying, hey, this stuff works for us as well. Um, I've got 104 different companies that I'm currently consulting in my 12-month program um, where they use my framework but put their business, their framework, their name, their words, their phrases, their statements, their industry into my framework. Yeah. So that's what I teach. I teach a framework, a sales process, um, you know, from, from the moment somebody moves towards you to the moment you're exchanging contracts and then collaborating afterwards. And what's great about the framework is that, as I say, it's, um, it's proven now to to help thousands of businesses um, to just repeat and follow something that that feels conversational and natural and human uh whilst being really effective and and easy to learn
1: that's awesome and i've got a really um I've got a really big treat for everybody that's listening to the podcast that um, Matt's book, which is called Open With A Clause, is going to be, um, you, we're going to give away a copy of this to everybody. And um, that goes to our website, which is cockeroncore.co.uk. We're going to put a nice link on there when the podcast goes live um, so we can get some of these books out to people. Um, I think that's a really, really um, great tool to have. we we'll
0: um, so- free, Sarah. Anybody yes. listening? this um it's free i think we might even cover post and packaging if we don't it's a couple of quid well, i think yeah. we will um but the, the reason why i wrote the book actually is when i left the sort of construction retail industry um it was obvious to me that i'd managed to build a lot of skills up in in, in a sort of over-the-counter human-to-human way and that i'd been using a system and a formula we went through the big recession of 08 09 yeah. remember was, it well,
1: <laughs> really remember that well.
0: And sadly didn't make it. And and again, uh, what I used to see they'll chuck loads of money at marketing and creating leads and remember leads of people that need what you do, but they didn't, they didn't seem to be able to exchange those leads and turn them into paying customers that are happy very well. And we, that was our skill. And so when I left the family business, I um, actually sold my shares in my family business in 2017 and um, I wanted to follow, I got sort of like, I wanted to teach and train and coach. And um, it was a bit of a, felt like a bit of a calling really. Yeah. And and yeah, I think I wrote the book specifically to share um, some of the good practices, some of the things that we seem to come quite naturally to me and my family and my brother and our, our business, you know, that other people seem to struggle with a bit. And I always, always, I was always sort of, Curious why sales seem to be an Achilles heel for a lot of people, yeah. and uh, for, for for me, it's it's about being transparent and natural, conversational, and inquisitive, and honest, uh, and open, and and structured, um, and fun. Really, it's funny. sales is not meant to be a bad thing. It's it's meant to be great. Salespeople are like a conduit between uh, somebody that wants to buy a product or a service that makes the house look great or finish something off or whatever it might be um and and you're meant to be the reason uh, why they do it not the reason why they don't do it so
1: yeah no that's wonderful i really love that story so um just for our listeners sake where can they find out more information about you and how can they get in touch
0: i think well firstly uh on through your website on the link if they download the link get the book um it it will send you all all like social handles you get a thank you uh, from my team and you can check me out on social and stuff like that. So just the link it on your website. Go there. Wonderful.
1: And we'll pop all that in the um, in the credits as well afterwards. But um thank you so much for coming on um this podcast, Matt. Um your time is completely um invaluable and it's been great chatting to you today. So um yeah, thank you very much again. And I'm sure I will personally catch up with you soon because um yeah, I'm I'm part of the programme as well. So
0: let me give you uh, let me give give your listeners one thing they can do right now to make a sale. Um, he's asked this really powerful question. You should ask this every day. Um, um, who was a good match before um, that we could get back in touch with um, that would do business with us today? Yeah. So somebody that like was a no last time that still hasn't bought, like, who do you already know um, that you can effortlessly move back towards and pick up the phone and speak to them, that they'd say yes today just because they were a no last, last week? doesn't mean to say they're not uh, uh, that they've gone away and done something so yeah have a think about that there's um it's such an amazing thing to do every day i go who's a good match who should we we, we be working with that we already know that i can call today and do some business with
1: it's not dead till the do, uh, till the work's done
0: yeah, absolutely you'd be amazed at how many people are, are like just waiting for you to call them back
1: yeah no i agree completely but yeah thank you very much matt and um, take. Care.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Woodfloor Podcast. I've been Tom Cockrell, your host. If you'd like to find out more about what we do, please visit cockrellandco.co.uk. That's cockrellandco.co.uk. You will also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Once again, thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button.